and welcome to episode three of Spy Curious. Yay! We're back again. I'm Juliana. And I'm Mark. And we're here reading to you a spy novel that my stepfather wrote. That's exciting. I know. It's one of his many undiscovered talents. I think that there's many more that I've got to uncover, but this one's been the most entertaining yet. Um, And so we're in chapter three now. Of this very, very exciting spy novel that is totally worth reading and worth (laughs) commentating on. (laughs) The whole reason we have this podcast. But in essence, I'll give a short recap now of where we're at so far from the first two chapters. Please do. I'm totally lost. So, for those of you who don't know, it's called The Incident at Mauna Kea. The title also suggested that it's uh, based in Hawaii. We've fallen, uh, we followed this a bit drunken, I say drunken uh, just because he likes his rum, spy. A little bit alcoholic spy, but which spy isn't? Exactly. James and his adventures with his dog Baxter, female dog. Badass spy agent, also trained in super secret skills of, what is it again, frigid climates? And snow. And snow. Um, And the two of them, we found them in their enclave in the first chapter, where he was drugged and then the dog helped him get back back to life. And they've gone out on their recon mission where they've now found a Russian submarine. And they saw people leave the Russian submarine, get on the shore, and then they decided to go back, take a nap, and go after them the next day. So, at the end of the chapter, we left them figuring out what their disguises were going to be for their adventures in to the town the next day. And James, I think it's quite fitting, he's going to be a bit of a beach bum, a surfer, uh, a beatnik with a penchant for smoking weed. I think his, his character is kind of now fully rounded. We understand him a bit better. Definitely, but not as rounded as the disguise Baxter is going to wear. She is going to be a hipster funk dog, and she's going to wear large sunglasses, a dirty Hawaiian shirt, and a bandana with a modern stereo headset. I'm pretty sure that she's about the most fabulous dog I've ever heard of. She's got a car wash of disguises ready for her to be a snowflake at any moment. And now a hipster funk dog, a dog of many faces. I'm Mm -hmm. very intrigued. Not attracting any attention whatsoever. No, and peeing all over the place. That was the other part of, of Baxter's cover. So we left them with those amazing covers. And now we're going to figure out What types of shenanigans they're getting up into? I'm assuming something's going to go wrong. I'm kind of hoping something's going to go wrong. Let's dive in. Chapter 3. Honoka. The alarm sounded at 3 a.m. Okay, so if I... I... Let's start interrupting right at the start. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's good. We we were in half a line. And already, 3 a.m. Okay, so earlier, uh, they saw the submarine at midnight. They went back to the enclave because they were going to chase them... In the morning. So my assumption was they're going to take a nice six-hour sleep. But apparently not. They just get there and they get ready right away because they need to be gone at three. Yeah. The right. life of a spy. All right. All right. They, they redeem themselves a little bit there. And they've also had a day and a half to sleep after being drugged. So that, I think that they're is true. pretty well rested. There shouldn't be that much need for sleep. Yes. Oh. The alarm sounded at 3 a.m. They were due at the makeshift helipad at 3.30. Hold, hold on. A makeshift helipad? This is this is not a permanent helipad, or this is not just a level, I don't know, field somewhere in between the 
the, the little forest areas. But see, a level field would be a makeshift helipad. It's not a formal one. They don't want a giant H always there. So a field is probably exactly what we're talking about. Okay, when I imagine a makeshift helipad, I think of like a temporary wooden construction for the helicopter to land on. That's quite exorbitant for one use, so I could see that. Exactly. I could see that point. confusion. James glanced at the camera monitors and weather radar. All was clear. He dialed in a secure channel on 119.65 megahertz. That is oddly specific. I'd like to give it a shot. Anyone in Hawaii, please dial in and see if you can hear James for us. At 119.65 megahertz. That, I think that is just above what normal radio is. So in that sense, I guess it would make sense that there's something there. But if that's all it, need, all it needs is a frequency, that may be something that's easy to hack. Maybe that's the point. Maybe. Romeo to JPL, come in. Romeo to JPL, come in. That is an odd call. Do you think his name is Romeo? <laughs> his, his call sign or something? or It sounds like it, and he thinks quite highly of himself. I, I, could, get, I could see that. Yeah. From, from Romeo and Juliet, maybe? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the only reference the only there, Romeo? really. Yes, I doubt he's talking about the rapper. Exactly. Okay. There was a short crackle of electronic static. And then Ben came in. JPL here. Hold on. Hold on. So, I, I know your family. <laughs> I, I know your family a little bit. And you have a grandfather named Ben who worked for JPL, the Jet Propulsion Lab from NASA. Which is, I don't know what it has to do with spying, but... So, he, this is your grandpa in the book. This is... He took your grandpa and he didn't even cover up the name or anything. He just... He just Took Ben, said he was from JPL, that's his call sign, and there he is. Sounds about right. I mean, I think that Jim's got the creativity of the storyline. He doesn't need to be wasting all that energy on creating characters when he's got a life full of amazing people. That's true. So is this, what, we think this is actually an autobiography? <laughs> I have a feeling this is the way he wishes his life was, but we'll see. Okay. Well, let's, let's also ask him sometime. <laughs> Maybe we can have him guest appear. Oh, ben came in. JPL here. Good morning, JPL. Confirming pickup at 3.30. Affirmative. 3.30. JPL out. Okay, so... I imagine a serious mic drop there, by the way. Yeah, from, from your grandfather, Ben. Yes. I could see him doing that. So it, it's, it's 3 in the morning... And he makes the call now for them to be picked up at 3.30. So that means the helicopter can't be that far? No, 30 minutes away. All right, that's not bad. Ben, or codename JPL, is a retired structural engineer from JPL. Hold, hold on, hold on. This is your grandpa. Yes, it is. It's 100... <laughs> it is. You can, you can Google him. It's fine. This is 100% my grandfather. I like the backstory. 100% true. This is a mixture of real life. I'm wondering to what extent, when Jim was a pilot, did he have some of these adventures chasing Russian submarines and being this beatnik? On Hawaii. Yes. I'm wondering how much of this is just taken from his life. I think sometime we're going to need to ask him about that. Ben, or codenamed JPL, is a retired structural engineer from JPL. A rocket scientist of sorts. Of sorts? Of sorts. Specializing in propellant tank design, he also serves the outfit as a helicopter pilot. His cover? A bartender and tour pilot in Honoka. Isn't his cover already that he is a rocket scientist, 
of sorts, specialized in propellant tank design, working for JPL. Shouldn't that be his cover rather than him also being a bartender and a tour pilot in Hanukkah? He's got a cover on a cover. It's inception of covers. Wow. Muzzle and James pop out of the hatch and begin to walk through the forest, heading north. They need to make their way through the small forest and stream towards a small hill 500 yards to the south of the enclave. Hold, hold on, hold on. They need to go to a place that's 500 yards south of the enclave. They're heading north. <laughs> They're heading north. They need to head so far north <laughs> that it eventually becomes heading south on the other side of the globe and then back north again to make it 500 yards south of the enclave when they're heading north. They got 30 minutes. And they got 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. I think they're really good for directions. <laughs> also, also a spy that, for, in terms of, you know, needs to know its way around, needs to be able to navigate with not too much help. They need to be south. They're heading north. It's misdirection. Are they just, are they just intentionally going the wrong way? Yeah. I think it's a little misdirection here. Jim's misdirecting us. Maybe they're really heading south and he said north. He's throwing us off. They make the trek. And what a trek it is all the way around the globe. <laughs> James drinking coffee out of a thermos and Baxter in tow. The whir of rotor blades can be heard in all in bleh. The whir of rotor blades can be heard in the distance. Baxter and the agent climb the snow packed hill and cleared off excess snow and debris. The old bell helicopter swoops in from the north. Romeo and Muzzle crouched at a distance at a corner of the pad as the rotorcraft fanned snow in all directions. So, so it is clearly a path because A, they have to like take the snow away and uh, uh, they are in a corner of it. So, so there is somewhere, it still feels like there is a makeshift wooden area somewhere, a flat surface. Why do you think it's with wooden? An on there. Why do you think it's wooden? Because it's, it's makeshift. Yeah, but it could be a Stones set in the shape of an H. Many things. Many, many things. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. Ben could be seen with his oversized mirrored sunglasses and giant and gigantic headphones. A pug spinning in his lap. Hold, hold on. A pug spinning in his lap? Just like the helicopter pat, Like the helicopter The helicopter blades. Okay. Yeah. So, confuse me for a second. Everything's cause, spinning. Because spinning in Dutch is actually purring. So a, a dog spinning in someone's lab could be could be perceived as someone's a cat spurring in a lab. Um, no, that's not at all. That's what not at all. It's, in it's English, spinning. It's, it's spinning, spinning around yes. a puck spinning around like like a helicopter blade. Well, I hope that's, that's and I also that. find the thought of a pug purring to be very strange. I know, but that, they that would snort. Make, but yes, but that, but they to don't me, purr. that to me would make more sense if you confused the snoring for purring. Yeah, fine, fair enough. But it's just it's rotating. <laughs> Okay. Yes, it's helping, it's helping it take flight. The copter sets down into the wind, facing towards the agent and the hound. So, so is it north or south? I'm so confused. I've got no idea where we are anymore. The engine roar slowly comes back to idle as the huge rotor blades break with a whipping, whirring sound. A whipping, whirring sound. I've got no idea what a whipping, whipping is. Whipping and whirring at the same time. So, yeah. That's a purring sound. That's not a whirring sound. We're back to purring. Wait, spinning. No, hold on. <laughs> the agent ran in a crouch towards the copter with Baxter ahead. The rear sliding door opened and both leapt in. The door shut and they lifted off within seconds. 
who's opening and closing the doors? Is it like electronic? Because we know Ben is in there, but I'm not sure if Ben from from the front can like open the doors in the back. Or if there's like a, a button for him to open it, or if there's someone or the else in the helicopter. The pug. The pug opens the door. Well, because the. Well, I mean, we've got is, Baxter. If the pug is also a trained spy dog, then maybe. Yeah, but still. I feel there's someone else in there. James strapped into the left seat, the co pilot seat. Reversed from fixed wing seat placement. Did he, he? So he got into. Did I miss this? Did he got into the back? They got into the sliding door on the side. I don't really feel like there oh, is like the a side. back of the helicopter, you know? No, but I always feel that the front of the helicopter has its own doors. Yeah. So I he don't gets, know. We don't so know how big in, this helicopter is. It's an old Bell helicopter. It can't be too big. You say that as if everybody just knows what an old Bell helicopter is. I've got no idea what this is. I have a feeling we're going to have a picture on Instagram of an old Bell mm-hmm. helicopter after this episode. I'm probably going to need to see that because I've got no idea what I'm picturing here. I'm picturing a smaller helicopter, but good. With sliding doors. Yeah. Doesn't have to be huge. It could be a little more. You and your sound effects today. <laughs> James strapped into the left seat, the co-pilot seat, reversed from the fixed wing seat placement. Ben gave a salute, and they were climbing through fifteen thousand feet, heading northeast, zero forty-five at a hundred knots. Ben lowered the nose and brought the craft into a powered descent at a hundred fifty knots, five hundred feet per minute. Is that? Wait, so his speed is 150 knots. When they're descending. But that he's descending 500 feet per minute down, or is he just traveling at 500 feet per, per minute? Because 500 feet per minute in a helicopter is not that fast. 500 feet per minute heading down, that's what I take from it. So they're losing 500 feet per minute in yeah. altitude, and they're coming from 15,000 so feet. So he's they're in a powered descent... But they're only dropping 500 feet per minute. It takes them, let's see, 10, 30 minutes to get down from 15,000 feet to nothing. They need to be rather subtle. They can't just be barging in. That's not really going to help with their cover. It just said you can hear the helicopter from a distance. So going in very slowly is going to be causing a lot of noise. Well, it's an old Bell helicopter. Maybe it can't go any faster. Well, helicopters are notoriously good at going down fast well not this one he glanced at james and offered him a bowl of noodles and hot tea okay <laughs> where is this kitchen i'm sorry <laughs> he's been he's been in a helicopter for sure for 30 minutes and now suddenly he has a bowl of noodles and, and hot, hot tea. tea yes well, as ma- you ma- do it's well, a big maybe, helicopter maybe, now is what i'm maybe picturing. the noodles are cold and maybe the Maybe the noodles are cold, <laughs> and maybe the tea was in a in a thermos. Maybe. N- nowhere does it say that the noodles. When are, are you the hot. practical one? Yeah. He banked further to the east, and then made a wide sweeping left bank, slewing the compass around until heading due west and the Hanukkah helipad. Okay, first of all. Why in the world would you hand somebody hot tea and noodles when they're going to be flinging them around left to right? Especially, he first goes northeast. Yes. Then he goes east, which is banking right. And then a wide sweeping left bank. So he's really getting thrown like, this is a right turn and then a long left turn. Like, good luck with your tea and your noodles. I think that's part of the spy challenge. I'm literally <laughs> If you can balance these noodles and this tea in the corners, then you are truly a master of spy. The pad contained a neon sign which read, Bent Helicopter Tours. It's atop the roof of Ben's bar. 
Ah, uh, now his cover makes sense. He's got... He's as kinda... you do, as you do, you get people wasted and you take them on helicopter tours. I think this sounds like a wonderful idea. So so you close your bar in the middle of the day to go fly some tourists around. That's what you do. I mean, my 30th birthday is coming up. I think I know what I want to do now. I need to go to this Ben's bar and helicopter tours. <laughs> also, he's landing the helicopter on top of it. Yeah, which is where his helicopter tours take off from. So now they just seem like they've just been on a tour. It's brilliant. The black and one-way windows shield the occupants from outside observance. They are unknown entities, Baxter and James. Ben, everyone knows. Hold, hold on. The, the black and one-way window shields, uh, shields the occupants. So it, it's the helicopter that has that? Yeah. So no one can see who's in the helicopter. But no. they know Ben is going to be in there because they know Ben and they know it's tours. tours. Um, are they going to stay in there forever? Because the moment they step out of the helicopter, they're not really covered by the, the windows anymore. No, but while they're flying, I can imagine that's very useful to have. All right. So, so they, they, yeah. at three in the morning, you definitely have your, your tourist oh, yeah, group flying around. Well, we don't know. If they were descent, well, now it's got to be, they took off at 3.30. They were it, flying around for a little bit, and then they took like 30 minutes to land, you've already established. And that's like 4.30 in the morning. But it only took them 30 minutes to get there, so I assume it only takes them 30 minutes to get back, because why waste time? You're a spy on a mission. So they're back there at 4.00. I don't know how light it is in Hawaii at four, and I don't know what time of year it is we're talking about. So maybe it's oh, summer. Well, I think we're and, about to find that out, so just hold bright. your horses. But uh, I assume it's four, and that's weird for two helicopters to land, so they're going to be a little bit, little bit unless, suspicious anyway. Unless Ben's bar got a little bit of a drunk uh, bachelor party wanting to go out for a night ride. You never know. Or this is just the way Ben commutes home and, and back as well. He's a badass like that. It's fine. Yeah. The four exit the copter. The pug's still spinning. Wait, he's still rotating around? <laughs> he's about to take off. Proceed down a back entrance into the basement of the bar. Okay, so It's they... 4 a.m. Ah, there we go. Yes, exactly. Wow. So half an hour there, half an hour back. So they go straight into the basement. Yeah. From, from the roof. Okay. They go into, they just head directly to the basement. Doesn't mean that they get off the helicopter and are in the basement. They head to the basement. No, they take a back entrance into the basement. Yep. The four of them gather around a brick fireplace, surrounded by couches and chairs. The aroma of turkey soup is in the air. It's the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> now we know the time of year. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say it's not light yet at four in the morning in Hawaii, the day after Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm willing, I don't know. So if I'm wrong, please correct me. But that's my feeling. The only thing I've got to say is it's amazing how every characteristic of Papa Ben is coming back in here. The turkey soup is in the air. His famous turkey soup that he makes the day after the, Thanksgiving. The, the aroma of turkey soup is yes. in the air. The turkey soup itself is hopefully not in the so air. So even, okay, <laughs> even Ben the bartender is making turkey soup. I am loving the dedication to the, to the reality of these characters. He also has a pug, which also is very authentic for Ben. Yes, that's true. I can, I can see him in front of me. The pug gives another spin that says hello. Okay, so now he's communicating with spins. <laughs> Rotates around. Hello. No words about the mission are uttered. It is all small talk. Well, also, they're, they're not supposed to talk to other agents or anything because they don't know any other agents. The first rule of Spy Club is don't talk about Spy Club. Everyone involved knew the plan, and all agents are, and facilitators are kept informed of changing plans. 
So hold on, he's this is this is how so, many I'm, people are involved I'm, in this? I know I'm getting confused because he knew no other agents. Yeah. Everything was compartmentalized, and and no one knew anyone. He only knew Baxter. And now he knows Ben. And now he knows Ben and the pug and everyone else, and everyone's kept informed. And all the facilitators as well. And who are these facilitators? Who are the facilitators? I feel like this is like a focus group. And those one-way mirrors are really just the moderators watching, the facilitators watching him. It, it also feels like a bit of an AA meeting. <laughs> well, maybe he needs that, but that's, that's maybe coming in later chapters. Ben's bar is a front for the outfit. He charges $500 for half-hour tourist flights and makes a fortune. Let's see. Is that a, is that a decent price? 500 bucks for half an hour? We've been on one flight. I don't remember what the costs were, but I think it's, it's comparable, right? It's comparable. Yeah. Well, actually, the agency makes a fortune off the bar. Ben's bar tracks a wide variety of people from all walks of life. So it's so it's a very busy bar. So it's a very, very, it's a front, but it's a front that actually works and actually makes money. I'm pretty sure that this is just actually what Ben wants to be doing. And the other stuff is just a side gig for him where they see this as his side gig, but it's not. It's his main gig. But they say the profits go to the agency. Yeah. Or to his home, which he takes a helicopter to. Are you accusing Ben of, of cooking Skimming books? off the top? <laughs> <laughs> the building contains three levels. Only the top level, the ground level, is known to the public. B1, where they are now, is very much like the Enclave. It is actually a hub or cover enclave. So which one is it? A hub or a cover enclave? And B2... Is Ben's suite. Okay, so he's not taking the helicopter home. Or he is taking the helicopter home, but the <laughs> home is at the bar. But I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued that he's got his own suite. They've got an enclave for the two of them. And he's got an enclave and a suite. Yeah, but apparently it's a sort of hub enclave. So it's... Of it's sorts. Of sorts. <laughs> of sorts. Uh, so it's, it's for, for group meetings. And it's for public use within the spy agency. Whereas the other enclave is only his. Only James's. And Baxter's. And Baxter's. Do not forget Baxter. That's true. The helipad sits atop the entire structure. I think we've established that. Ben's Bar and Helicopter Services, Inc. <laughs> oh, he's incorporated. Yes. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Gotta that's make good. it legit. Yeah. He even had business cards with a logo of he and the pug in the copter. <laughs> Can't go anywhere without the pug. Uh-huh. I hope the tail is giving a spinning motion. The helicopter had much more sophistication and purpose than, sim- than to simply take tourists on joy rides. Ben's Bar was the place. It was hopping from 10 a.m. until 3 a.m. He employed local people. Some were agents. Some were not. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, here, so here are more agents. So we, uh, here are more agents. First of all, that apparently they know and they yes, know each other. But the funny thing is he says he doesn't know any of them. So are there just some agents and some non-agents and James has no idea who's an agent, who's not an agent? And even more so, Ben doesn't know who he hired, whether it's an agent or not. And um, he's open from 10 a.m. until 3 a.m. Well, he has personnel, so he can't get away with the helicopter. So that's a, a, a new thing that we now know. And 10 a.m. till 3 a.m. I guess I serve breakfast. That's nice. Yeah. Or it's for people like James who want their rum at 10 a.m. <laughs> he employed local people. Some were agents, some were not. All information was on a need-to-know basis. No agent knew all the details of the evolving mission. The system was compartmentalized. 
Yeah, but not as compartmentalized as they made it seem earlier. No. But it is a repeating from earlier. So, yeah, so the, the information... It's, he's reiterating. He just wants to make sure you've understood. It's compartmentalized. Exactly. Even though he's introducing all these new agents. Thank and you. even though the agents don't know each other. Yeah. So compartmentalized. It's compartmentalized. The agency here at the bar and surroundings was not unlike a huge sifting device through which people from different likes naturally gravitated. James knew the enemy agents would soon filter through the bar. So the bar is also a way to get enemy agents in a place where they can be spied upon. So literally everyone who's anyone goes into this bar. Because when you are a spy and you want to discuss your mission, you will go to a very popular bar. No, but when you're a spy and you just want to seem like you're like everyone else, you'll go to the hot spot where everyone's going. But you won't discuss your mission there. No. Okay. Is the point, did we ever hear that the point was to overhear them discussing their mission? Are you filling in blanks that we're not there? Yes, I do. Hmm. Let Jim do that (laughs) for us. He will fill in the blanks. Or he won't, but we'll find out. Baxter wore her astronaut-like skull cap. Hold on, that's not the disguise she had before. Not yet. She's not in her disguise. I'm afraid this is her travel outfit. I'm telling you, Baxter is a diva, a woman of many faces. There we go. So, like, 12 outfits in one day. She probably brought a suitcase that we don't know about and a lightweight vest, basically. A lightweight vest of sorts. Baxter wore her astronaut-like skull cap, similar to water polo players' caps, which protect the ears. So... What we're talking about is uh, a 1930s... Swim cap. Well, not even that. The 1930s, just the helmet that yeah. people used to wear. Oh, yeah. Like in football. Yeah. And pilots. And pilots. Or football. The cap was actually fitted with earphones tuned properly for her overly sensitive ears. The agency had a never-ending array of gadgets. Well, we've established that pretty much. Mostly for Baxter, I think. Yeah. The phones were set to receive Romeo's commands at a distance of one kilometer, all encrypted over the air. Okay, so it's a phone with headphones. She wore a filthy Hawaiian shirt and bandana. So she is wearing her disguise. Yeah, yeah, and those earphones that we were talking about are actually in this cap. Remember? Okay, that makes it totally not anything less suspicious. Hmm. She wore a filthy Hawaiian shirt and bandana. The silly oversized sunglasses hung from her neck. James sat in the corner, smoking a doobie, his hair matted, wearing broken, crooked glasses, a torn Hawaiian shirt. He was drinking a Mai Tai. Always drinking. And how good as a spy agent are you going to be when you're freaking high? I understand that it's part of the cover. I like that he's already getting into character. He takes it very seriously. The minute he lands, he is his cover. I'm not sure he even got drugged. I think he just got really high and doesn't really remember what happened when he got home. Have you been very high before? Not that high. Have you been very high at all? Oh, just some contact high. <laughs> <laughs> From the expert. I know, and that's for a Dutch person. He drank and smoked and then did some more of the same. <laughs> so he's going to be wasted. Smoking. <laughs> yeah. He had to look and smell the part. Well, I told yeah. you, he's getting into character. Yeah, he's definitely getting into character. I feel like as a spy agency, you have a clone that fixes that or something like that. So you don't actually, so you can be like super sharp, totally sober, but look like you're a total drunk. Authenticity. Authenticity is key. Okay. He had to look and smell the part. 
He enjoyed this part of the mission. I can, uh, I can imagine I can that. I can see that. <laughs> he was more of a vacationing actor now than an agent. He had to be in character. Nailed it! I'm just saying he had to be in character. Well, yeah. And he's very much in his actor mode. But he's a spy. Jim and I are on the same page. I understand his characters. Same with Baxter. She smelled and looked like hell. <laughs> the Russians were smart and very tough. Nothing could be left to chance. How, the, do, you, how do we know that? We haven't even met them yet. I'm we know nothing about the them. agency knows a lot more. The pattering of feet could be heard from above. It was 10 a.m. The bar was open. James walks over to a railed steel ladder rising from JPL's enclave. He ascends behind JPL in muzzle. Above them is a hatch, not unlike a submarine hatch, that opens with a cipher lock and the turn of a wheel. What is it with hatches and manhole covers well, and also, things like that? Also, did they use the same way to get in? Because they used a back door to get into the basement. The basement was the enclave, but now they need to use a hatch to get out. And what, the hatch is going to uh, open up? With a cipher up, lock. And that's going to just end up, what, in the middle of the bar? That would All be this is the, Yeah, maybe. That's, that's making an entrance at a party. Although it's 10 in the morning, so it can't be too busy at the bar. The four climb into a back bar room full of liquor cases, boxes of lemons, limes, oranges, pineapples, cherries, ice, and more ice. The room was freezing. So they got into a fridge? They got into the back area. Not into the fridge, but they got into the stocking room, basically. Where they have ice and ice, ice and, and stuff that can, can go bad. That's why there's ice. That's why there's ice, but why not just have a fridge? That would be too easy. So you're in Hawaii and the, you, you have ice and it's not going to melt in, in mere hours. In what? Mere hours. Mm. No, apparently not. It's November. <laughs> it's cold. It must be very cold it's in that freezing. bar. Only JPL's employees were allowed in here. All were agents of varying knowledge and expertise. We just established that <laughs> not, not, all, not all employees were agents. And now they're all agents of varying... Well, I guess... The ones they, who are not agents they're are... Just, they're just they, very bad agents. Yes, exactly. They've got no expertise. And no knowledge. <laughs> so it's quite varying. This is a large outfit. Not too large to blow cover, but significant. Wait, how does the size of an outfit blow the cover? The more people you have, the more suspicious it might look. But if you have a very thriving business, don't you need more people? Yeah, but then the more risk you run. This is a nice medium, medium, a small medium enterprise. That has employed spies and not spies, but only spies. Exactly. The agents know each other, but only professionally. Again, this is, they didn't know each other. And now they do know each other. This is, I'm, I'm no, getting No, 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 wait, let's be clear. James didn't know anyone. So maybe just none of the agents like James, and they all know <laughs> each other, they just don't want to know him. <laughs> I think this sounds more like it's a choice, and he's only walking in there, and he's got no idea who all these agents are, but they all know who he is. But, but come choice. on, he, he must realize in the underground hub enclave that... He's surrounded by other people from the agency and that they're spies as well. He is drunk and high. I give you that. Maybe he did know them, he just forgot. <laughs> no chance could be taken in a slip-up of a phrase or familiarity. There was never talk that was not in character. This was an intelligence-gathering operation. 
The establishment was full of bugs. I told you they're trying to get the spies to talk there. Yeah, okay, but if they're going to talk, they're going to talk in code, and they've got to decipher it. So, I mean, they could talk about something, and they... I don't get it. They've had their mission briefing on the submarine. Okay, you assume all of this. Really? Yes. A spy being sent out on a mission without a briefing. No, no, no. They were briefed no, on the I submarine. No, but I like how you're saying this as if it's a very clear part of the story that's been covered. No, no, no. But, okay. In all realism, they would have been briefed <laughs> on the submarine before they were sent ashore. Because what the heck were they going to do on the shore if they didn't get any briefing there? Right? I mean, okay, I could give that to you. Okay. So they get there. They're going to, when you're, you're not going to go to a bar to talk about the mission you've been briefed about two hours ago, unless shit's going wrong, and then you still wouldn't do it at a bar. I like how you have such in-depth insights into the life of a spy. I don't doubt that some of this seems right, but I'm really loving just how fully dedicated you are. As a spy, you would do this, and as a spy, you would do that. Well, I try to look at it from a common sense perspective. Most I'm, of the world I'm, I'm operates saying, without common sense. I, you got me there. JPL went to work tending bar and greeting his patrons. James and Baxter walked through the back bar by several ice machines and into the room the size of a large kitchen. Okay. I really like how he compares room sizes to other rooms. Like that Baxter's... Uncle Baxter's part was the size of a small garage. And now this room is the size of a large kitchen. Couldn't it be like a living room or the size of the room that it is? A large about, storage room? Yeah, give me, give me like squared feet, I guess. Yeah. There was no kitchen here. So JPL? It's, so, so it's not a, a, a big kitchen. It's just a big room. Yeah. There was no kitchen here. JPL only served drinks. Oh, so it is a kitchen, but it's not used as a kitchen because there's no kitchen. Also wrong. Also, a, a bar that's open from ten in the morning till three in the morning that doesn't have a, doesn't have a kitchen, doesn't serve any food, only drinks, and it is super busy all the time. Yeah, drinks that good. You don't eat anything. Wow. There was no kitchen here. JPL only served drinks. This was a gadget room. That's better. Weapons, listening equipment, flash grenades, knives, various vests for muzzle. (laughs) (laughs) There the vest again. (laughs) 45 caliber magazine cartridges, dart cartridges, medical supplies, small transmitters, and microphones, headsets of various types. So only one caliber, like all these different equipment, but only one caliber of bullets? They want to be very traceable. They want to know. Okay. Joe is in charge of equipment. Who's Joe? I know Joe. I know. I know. <laughs> I know I Joe. You know. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Let's 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 rephrase this. I know some people named Joe, but I know one person in your family named Joe. Well, this will be interesting. Joe was in charge of equipment throughout the entire complex. Codenamed Coltrane. Yeah, this is the Joe from your family. He could fix anything. That sounds very much like the Joe from your family. The room also includes an escape hatch, identical to theirs, but one that tunnels and exits under a beach shack of sorts. <laughs> a beach of shack sorts. of sorts. Of sorts. But again, an escape hatch that tunnels. He loves his hatches. Hatches. Hatches are the future. I'm his, pretty... 
So hatches, tunnels, more hatches that come out in in various places of sorts. Hatches that lead to tunnels. I'm pretty sure it's not hatches or tunnels because the hatch leads to something. The hatch leads to tunnels. Yeah, but it, I I still I still envision a tube being there. So the the hatch opens and you're in a, a tube that is that's a in, tunnel. That is your tunnel to somewhere else. <laughs> but it very much feels like a mixture of submarines and uh, the 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 tunneling project from Elon Musk. I also just feel like this is like any child's playground where you have those little tunnels that connect one little bubble to the next bubble. That's more what I'm picturing. A giant jungle gym. Yeah, yeah. But where do then the hatches come from? Because that very much feels like submarine stuff. Oh, I just feel like that's every 80s movie. The room also includes an escape hatch, identical to theirs, but one that tunnels and exits under a beach shack of sorts. A ramshackle of bamboo cobbled together, with a makeshift lifeguard tower sitting atop. They served beer and hot dogs, mostly to local surfers. Wait. Wait, are, are we... They this... serve hot dogs without a kitchen, though. And, but hold on, so is this the... the, the... This is the bar. Is the beach shack serving that with the lifeguard tower sitting no. atop? Is that one serving beer and hot dogs to local servers? Uh, I'm I'm not really sure. Maybe this tunnel is a way to serve the beach bums on the shack. I, I don't know. I'm very confused. I'm going to go with it's happening at the bar because that's the simplest for me to understand. They served beer and hot dogs, mostly to the local surfers. They also served weed with a wink and a nod. The operator, Cole. That sounds like your brother. <laughs> it very much sounds exactly like my brother. Codenamed Surfer. That's definitely your brother. Has connections with the local surfers and talk on the street. Okay, maybe that sounds a little bit less like your brother, but it still very much sounds like your brother. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is exactly what Jim... Jim is just painting all of us in very much a similar light. Well, I, I can't say us. I haven't been in there yet, but I'm really hoping I'm going to make an appearance, and I hope you do too. But it seems like you're taking all the family, the core of who they are, and slowly... So he's making caricatures of every each one of you and puts them in a book. Exactly. And then he says it's a spy novel, but it's basically a way of making fun of it's everyone. It's an honor, but yes, exactly. It's one giant joke on us. <laughs> and looking at the length of this chapter, I think we might need to leave the rest for next time. What's going to happen next? Who's Cole and who are Joe? How high is James going to get? Will Baxter do anything besides walk around in this chapter and look like a bum? Will they catch the spies? What is this lifeguard hot dog beer weed tower? Without a kitchen. <laughs> and many more. The answers to all of these questions will not come, but hopefully we'll get some. In the next episode. See you guys next week. <laughs>